my biggest tip would would be to meet each child where they are and recognize their learning style. Fairness doesn't mean that everybody gets the same thing. Fairness means that everybody gets what they need. Listen to my people dropping some wisdom. Hello, and welcome to the homeschool planning period. So we made it through the school year, and in fact, the new school year is upon us. In this episode, we had the pleasure of interviewing two wonderful parents, MJ Blakely and Azari Jarrett. These parents had no intention of ever homeschooling their kids, but like the rest of the nation, they were thrusted into an adventure that has no doubt changed their lives forever. This is Tamu. And this is Kim with tips, tools, and tricks while quarantine teaching in 2020. I think you will find this interview truly amazing and inspiring as these parents reflect and in retrospect, give us their perspective. I know it will come in handy as parents consider how they will navigate through this upcoming semester. Azari is a photographer and designer. She runs her business, azarijarrett.com and has quite a following on Instagram at Azari Jarrett. She lives with her husband, Claude, who is an orthopedic surgeon in North Carolina, and they have three beautiful daughters, a ninth grader, fifth grader, and a second grader. MJ and his wife, Jennifer, are successful attorneys in Atlanta. They have two lovely children, their son who will be in the third grade and a daughter in second grade. Now, these two busy households had to rearrange and adjust their schedules to include teaching. Now, we know homeschool can be difficult. However, we chose that life, whereas so many parents had to homeschool under duress. Nonetheless, they made it. Now, let's hear what Azari and MJ's favorite moments were. I had a number of favorite moments. I personally enjoy having my girls home. I... um. I kind of consider myself like a mama bear. And so I'm always kind of making sure they're okay. Did anybody say anything to you? How was your day? Um, And so being there all day and knowing how their day went um, was one of my favorite moments. I felt like I could protect them from the world. Um, Another was seeing the problem areas myself, um, knowing that my youngest had struggles reading, but actually pinpointing like short vowels and long vowels. And once I did that, I was able to help her overcome that. Um, Meeting each, I I have three daughters, so meeting each um, daughter where they are. Um, So my oldest, very type A, she got up, got dressed, ate breakfast, logged on, uh, very dependable. Uh, wow. Yes, <laughs> very dependable. And, um, you know, my fourth grader had to get her started and learning that my first grader needed to constantly move all day. So we needed to read on the bed, then we needed to log on, then we needed to find another, another spot in the house. Um, also with her, just finding the, the things that work for her. So she started better at 10 o'clock, but guess what? She could go longer. Um, so those are all things that I found out that were interesting. Um, 
and also just testing the waters because a couple of times like my girls know and love um Lainey, Josh and Daniel and know that they are homeschooled so they're always asking can you homeschool us can you homeschool us so um it was a good way to still be enrolled in school but also test the waters of homeschooling to see if um, it worked for our family how it worked for our family what would our days feel like how would how would I feel about that um so those those were my favorite moments you know you mentioned that it uh, we were under a bit of duress which certainly a, a fair description of the homeschooling effort for us um, as a matter of fact, as we kind of began to settle into sheltering in place for the pandemic, uh, I found myself a bit weary and, um, you know, to some degree, a little unhappy. And then it, it just dawned on me that there are so many things that I'm able to do now that I couldn't do before, you know, and um, I decided that uh, you know, we ought to try to seize on that and, and take advantage of it. And so, you know, with that attitude shift, I began to develop more favorite moments. Uh, you know, many of our teachers are underfunded, um, under-resourced, and not supported. And so it's, sometimes it's, it's a wonder why they continue to show up day after day and work so hard. Uh, but when you put yourself in their position and try to do that and you see what it's like when a young mind grows uh, in your hands, it, it really is a very compelling thing. And uh, for me, watching a person go from unable to do it, really discouraged about it, to achieving it and impressed with themselves uh, is, uh, for me, those were my favorite moments and, um, you know, actually getting the opportunity to witness it. Azari, I, I think you're right. I, I didn't realize how much I would enjoy being at home with the kids. I'm not saying that every moment of it is enjoyable. There is certainly a good bit of wailing and gnashing of teeth, but, yeah. but uh, there is uh, something really charming about uh, being in your home environment with your kids as they're learning, what I realized is that, but for the sheltering in place and the schools closing, uh, come lunchtime, uh, my kids would be in a cafeteria, you know, probably eating some kind of bad French bread pizza. Uh, and I would be, you know, going to the food court at a mall nearby my office. Um, and we wouldn't be seeing each other, but as a result of the pandemic, um, you know, we got a chance to teach them how to make great peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and go on bike rides for lunch, which that was another one of my favorite parts of it, uh, as well. And so I just really cherish those moments of watching them develop, whether that be, uh, on a math problem or, figuring out that if you put the jelly on first, it's easier to wipe that off of the knife before you go into the peanut butter jar. Because uh, that's, you know, a part of learning too. Absolutely. Uh, so Absolutely. I think that would be it for me. 
My kids are much older and I remember and loved those light bulb moments. Identifying how your child learns and what makes them tick is key to assisting them to become independent, successful learners. And that is always the gold, getting them to independence. And now in retrospect, what would these parents have done differently? One thing that I may uh, have done differently is become uh, more of an advocate for um, the educational resources that our children were getting earlier on and to push the teachers uh, to meet us where we were with respect to learning to use online resources and helping the kids use the online resources uh, sooner and more often. I think initially, like Azari said, you know, the kids went to school and then they didn't go to school and all of a sudden we're trying to learn how to use Google Classroom and everything else. And so a lot of energy was just spent hanging on uh, and trying to get it figured out. And in the process, I would see things and think, gosh, you know, we could do this more efficiently if we did it that way. Um, and rather than reaching out to the teacher and trying to work with her to develop a more efficient um, way to push the resources out, um, I mostly just complained about it behind her back. And unfortunately, sometimes in front of the children. Um, one, one example of this was, and it, it took us a while to get there, but for my first grader, the teacher was having uh, meetings on a video conferencing platform at least two to three times a week. There was show and tell, and there was uh, small group reading where each kid would read a page of the book and um, uh, other online interfacing uh, uh, you know, video conference games or teaching efforts. For my son, there was none of that. So we're several weeks into school. I'm a second grader. It's my son. We're several weeks into school and he had not seen any of his classmates or his teacher in a meaningful way. And so. It's interesting. You can see the distinct contrast. That's, that's amazing. Right, right there in the same house. Yeah. And not only could I see it, but so could our second grader. He noticed that our first grader was getting to see her classmates and her teacher. And I could see him sort of pining uh, for that same type of interaction. Eventually, a few weeks in, uh, my wife reached out to our second grader's teacher and explained that the first graders were interfacing with their classmates and the teacher, and they seemed to really like it. And we were wondering if we could put something together like that uh, with our son as well. And the following week, uh, this teacher started having story time via video conference and inviting parents to come in uh, and be uh, mystery readers to the children. And I just thought, you know, what if we had done that a little bit sooner? Sure. Uh, or in addition to doing that, what if we had, um, you know, tried to work with the teachers and offer our assistance in making some of the way that the resources were pushed out a bit more efficient and accessible that we might've had a better year. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, that's really good. Um, just following up on that, I just feel um, just, it's on my spirit just to say we are our children's 
biggest advocates. And mm-hmm. if we don't speak up for them, no one will. And so that was great that you brought it up. Um, just yeah. thinking about if we could do anything differently, um, and maybe everyone felt this way, but, and it's not the fault of the school system, but just I felt whenever school was canceled, there was it, chaos. It, there was, we were getting communication. Here's this online whatever and here's that online then it was pick up a packet at school then it was google classroom and seesaw and class dojo and all these apps so it not that it was the fault of the teachers but the game plan wasn't there sure so there was easily like a month where i didn't know what we were doing um and i reached out to tam and i was like you know this has got to stop Um, I have to feel more in control. And what we did is we got a homeschool curriculum, a Becca homeschool curriculum. And um, if I could do it over again, I would have gotten it earlier Um, because I felt the shift because I felt in control and I was there to say, okay, this is what we're doing today and control how the day went versus okay we're gonna log on the assignment's supposed to be there at eight it's not they're looking at me um and so i feel like had um and again maybe like a month in everything kind of settled down and and assignments started coming in but at that point we were already settled to where i could you know we could do their schoolwork in this set of time and also i could supplement with the online school um, curriculum. So if we had to do it over again, I think we would have done it earlier. Not that I'm placing blame on the teachers or the school sure. system, but just um, it, there was, it was a chaotic experience of, okay, this is our reality. What are we going to do? And throwing out every resource without anyone kind of overlooking that. Um, so I think taking control um and feeling like we were responsible for the girls' education, it was more a mental shift, if anything, um, that, okay, we can do this and we can supplement their learning and they can continue to learn. You know, this experience has confirmed that we are in control of our children's education. Even if they're in public school, we still have a say. Now, of course, COVID was never in anybody's plan, however, it makes us think through several plans should anything like this happen again. We need to be able to move from chaos to control quickly. Respond versus react. We have to advocate early for our children to ensure their success. This is excellent advice. During the interview, both Azari and MJ recognized that their lives changed, not just because they were homeschooling, but especially because of the sheltering in place. Spending real quality time with their family was ultimately what brought them closer. So homeschooling was a bonus that allowed them to decipher their children's learning styles and connect with them on an even deeper level. With this little taste of homeschooling, let's hear if we have any converts. So we're definitely in the considering phase. We haven't made any um, final decisions because things change so quickly. Um, and also each one of my daughters is different and learns differently. Um, so 
that being said, I think my oldest and my middle daughter, they'll continue in school. It's the, the youngest that I'm not sure about. I haven't made a, a decision one way or another. Um, but just knowing that the things that work for them may not work for her. And I think it's part of my job as her mother to identify what it is that would make her um, blossom and grow. Um, that being said, she is also the probably the most social and the one that misses school the most. And if I did not send her to school, I or traditional school, I think she would um, she would be confused as to why. Um, so that th those are all things that I'm considering. I've been very pleased with um, the homeschool curriculum. Um, I've been very pleased with um, just being involved in her education. Um, we, I, I sat in on a call with administrators at um, our elementary school this morning, and there's just still a lot of unanswered questions. And just personally, I just like to have my game plan in place, regardless of what's going on. I don't like to react, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. I like to... Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um to make that decision so this is our first week of summer we haven't made an official call yet but i do i do feel more empowered that it is possible sure i see what it could look like um but that's where we are i would have believed uh wrongly that i couldn't and that you know, just a, a, it wasn't something that we were capable of and that if we homeschooled our children, they would get uh, a subpar education from a, a subpar teacher. And uh, now what uh, I realize is that we can. Um, it, and, and we could do it, you know, pretty effectively if we decided to go in and become, uh, one of us become a full-time uh, homeschool teacher. And... So I'll say that I have considered it now more than I've ever considered it before. Um, but that's still a very small bit of consideration. You know, the, <laughs> yeah. our, our kids have made it clear to us that they want to go back to school. <laughs> yes. I think too, my kids say they, they want to go back to school, but you know, in fairness, I think they want to go back to anything. Because after a while, they've just been in and they want out. <laughs> You'll hear a lot more stories of, like you said, MJ, people who never considered it before. Um, just kind of not making a decision now, but it, it's kind of opened a lot of people's minds. Like you said, it's empowering. Like it opens your mind to say, oh, you know what? I can do this. If for some reason down the road, we determine that you know, traditional school uh, isn't working, I'm not stuck, mm -hmm. you know? I don't have to bounce around from private school to private school. I can just say, you know, come on downstairs, you know? Yes. Breakfast and let's get to work. So no converts, but serious consideration. <laughs> but this, I mean, what a precious time these families had, you know, just switching their mindsets and focusing on gratitude. 
This was time well spent, and we are so thankful to be able to reflect on their experience with them. So as parents, we should step back from this experience and consider how we can protect the time that God has given us with our children. Now let's listen to how Azari and MJ will adjust their priorities as they take back control of their time. Definitely, we've had so many conversations of um, how this will change us because we don't need to do all the things and be at all the places. Um, my husband has this saying that says, you know, with your email, with your email, just delete it all. Delete it all. And he's just like, you know what's going to happen? Nothing. Um, and so it's the same. So it's, you know, they haven't gone to birthday parties. They haven't gone to extracurricular. And guess what? They're okay. Um, and, 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 just and and for our girls um because of three everybody gets one sports physical activity and then one instrument and over the years that has kind of changed with instruments but everybody's settled on piano and one physical activity and that just two activities per child keeps us busy every single day of the week um, so it has definitely made us kind of step back. And um, a couple of years ago, my husband and I, we made um, a claim to our Saturday mornings. We we're like, we are not doing this again. So guess what? My youngest has never played soccer <laughs> because we were not spending another Saturday morning on a soccer field. And I think we, when things go back to normal, Tim, I think we're going to take some hard looks at what is it we need, what is most important. And it's also made us think about um, just like every other family, I'm sure we've had to cancel some, some big trips. Sure. And while we love travel, we were taking these huge vacations to get away from a life we created. And so, because we were tired and we needed rest and here we are at home, and we're rested, and we didn't have to spend a dime. I think part of the trick of uh, not getting trapped in the uh, loop that requires us to, you know, be everywhere and do all of the things, and therefore leaves us without time to to rest and be with our family, is going to be to not feel like you have to rush back into all of these things and make up for lost time, right? And I think that um, there is a risk that the people who are around us, the environments, I would say, that compelled us to get there in the first place may, when we're able to go uh, back into whatever the new normal is, uh, may look at us and think, well, you got to get back in and you got to get back in really deep mm. because we've already missed several months. And it's going to require some effort to resist uh, being pulled into that undertow. So um, one thing that we have, much like reclaiming Saturday mornings, but that's not quite what we have done. What we have been talking about is uh, finding 
time to schedule when things begin to get a little busier space in our days or weeks where we uh, block out time just for us. Because if we don't, then I think it'll be hard to resist getting sucked back into where we were beforehand. A reevaluation of how we're living, regardless of if you choose to homeschool, prioritizing how we spend our time is now very important to many of us. However, we can all feel empowered to know that as long as you have school-aged children, homeschooling will always be an option. We also touched on the civil unrest and how MJ and Azari as black parents are navigating the current climate with their kids. The children, and this is something I really picked up on being home with them all day, are very perceptive, excuse me, very perceptive. And they pick up on things and they understand things very well. And so they have questions and, um, you know, they can tell when folks are upset, when, you know, our tensions are high and being together, uh, we've had to talk to each other more about our feelings because um, our feelings are being shared uh, more and more in the, uh, in the environment that we're in. And so we've begun talking to them about it. And I'll, I'll say it hasn't been all that, I mean, it's been difficult, but it, I feel like for some people, they were kind of forced into having this one big talk um, because all of this was in the news. And I also think that there's uh, a misunderstanding that in many households, one day everybody has to sit down and have a big talk about what their race means uh, in our society. And, um, but my experience and the experience we have here at home is that we don't have one big talk but we have a series of uh, talks, discussion, dialogue as the children grow. And so this was just uh, one uh, discussion in that, that series. Uh, yeah. And since they've been exposed to it already, I mean, I mean, even at seven and eight years old, it, it was, you know, we, we had very natural segues into the discussion. Yeah. Right. I know for us, um, when I don't know if there's a time we haven't had the discussions. <laughs> I just feel just part of our job is to prepare them to exist as a black, brown body in this world that is systematically not set up for them to succeed. And um, that has been a topic of discussion. My oldest doesn't want to really hear it, but I'm like, you're living the fruits of that labor because mm -hmm. this is what your father and I had to do to get here. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was before. And now it's sort of on the forefront of everyone's mind. Um, I kind of moved through the world as a black woman where every interaction I have is that people see this first. Sure. So I, and, and with that comes connotations and people look at my girls and make assumptions and is it fair no it's not fair is it right no it's not right but i think like mj said i it's not a sit down let's talk about the news it's as we're going through life if someone tells them think something that's inappropriate i use that as a, a starting point to discuss this um certain now that um um 
all the, the Black Lives Matter movement. It has given me so many more um, resources and opportunities oh, yes. um, that I wasn't aware of because I, I learned about some new things myself. Um, but um, what has been kind of awkward is um, how to deal with, I think, white people apologizing or friends reaching out. And, you know, I knew who you were three weeks ago. You know, you showed me, <laughs> I know who you are. You know, I, nothing you can say or do um, changes anything. So um, I have those conversations with the girls. I make sure they are confident in who they are. There was a Sesame Street um, special on race last Sunday that I watched yeah. or two. And um, I, in that discussion, I started telling them about racism that I experienced as a, a little girl. And it brought, I, I literally started crying uh, because uh, it brought back a lot of emotions, everything I'm trying to protect them from. Sure. And, uh, but is it fair? No, but we got to play the game. So I'm just trying to give them the tools that they need to succeed. Yeah. And it's, uh, I think that the, um, you know, this is a very apt and appropriate uh, topic for homeschooling because uh, the way you navigate um, our world uh, as black and brown people is an education uh, that our children in particular need. Well said, and that is exactly right. As black and brown people, we can tailor our curriculum to expose and educate our children to our history. Now, being from Jamaica, I would often include Caribbean history. Um, and, you know, that's just the beauty of homeschool. We are in charge. We run this show. Um, and I, I loved Azari and MJ's transparency while sharing their quarantine teaching experience. And we asked them to leave some tips for our listeners. And in all sincerity... What you're about to hear, it took me about five years to learn what they said. My biggest tip would, would be to meet each child where they are and recognize their learning style. And don't try and fight that um, because it looks different from your own. So... Um, and I say that because I'm very much get up, let's get dressed, let's get started. You sit here, do your work. And what I found is that's not the only way. And so meeting um, each daughter and giving them what they need to succeed, it looks different for each one and not judging, not trying to pass down what I think you're going to sit here all day and do this. Um, but kind of bending and leaning to find the best fit for your family, for your child, so that they could learn the best. And, and that's going to look different in each family. That's going to look different for each child. And um, to lean on um, other parents 
I think Temu has been a huge help for me when I felt like I was pulling my hair out. Um, and just know and, and enjoy the process. And um, something my husband told me and, and I was like, you know, I'm overwhelmed. I don't think I can do this. And he was just like, even if you homeschool three days a week, it's better than, you know, what they're, what they're not doing. And that helped me put it in perspective that it doesn't have to look like a traditional Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and we're going to go from seven to two or seven to three, um, but just to be more flexible. Absolutely. This was a fantastic interview with great takeaways. With everything you guys had going on with your demanding full-time jobs, MJ and Azari, you all did an amazing job finishing the school year strong. Thank you for being great examples and putting things in perspective during the pandemic. So schools are about to start back and it seems as if we will be in this homeschooling bucket together again. So mm-hmm. this episode will come in as a handy little pep talk before we dive into the next school year. Let's wrap it up with our list of seven. Our list of seven. Number one, being in control is always better than being in chaos. Make several school plans and give yourself options during these uncertain times. Number two, right now, you are your child's biggest advocate. Once school resumes, make sure they get what they need early in the school year. Number three, every day will not meet your expectations, but by the grace of God, his mercies are new every morning. Try again tomorrow. Number four, Like Azari said, meet each child where they are and do your best to cater to their learning style. Number five, let's quote MJ. Fairness doesn't mean that everybody gets the same thing. Fairness means that everybody gets what they need. Rewind, repeat, and write it down. Number six, we are very adaptable. We have made it through many storms so far this year. We are going to be in the homeschool bucket together again this fall, so be encouraged and know you can do this. Number seven, when things get back to normal, Mm. remember, JOMO, joy of missing out. It's okay not to be involved in every activity. Time is precious. Spend it wisely. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Tamu. We would just like to thank again Azari and MJ for sharing their heart with us. You guys are true rock stars. Mm-hmm. Remember to check out Azari's Instagram at Azari Jarrett. It's a very beautiful page, and that's A Z Z A R I J A R R E T T. And also, please email us with your questions at quarantteaching2020 at gmail.com. Go and follow our Facebook page at the Homeschool Planning Period. Check us out and follow us on Instagram at homeschool.planning and Twitter at homeschoolplan0. And finally, don't forget to check out our website at thehomeschoolplanningperiod.com. Ooh. <laughs> like, whoo. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is in the books. Until next planning period, keep washing your hands with soap and be the teacher you want your child to have.